So we were discussing David came to Achimelech, David asks him for food. We understood that the necessity for that was that uh, David was in the midst of the Koch Nefesh and he, made a, he was allowed to even eat the uh, Lechem upon him, which normally is only allowed to the Koenim. And uh, we see also that David, so to speak, doesn't tell Achimelech the truth. He tells him that he's on a secret mission from Shaul, and that's why Achimelech will be more motivated to help him, thinking that he's really acting in the service of the king. Now, after he gives him food, so the Apostle tells us that Daiga Daimi happened to be at the, at, in there at the time, and he was a witness to everything which happened. And then it goes on to talk about the fact that David Melech asks for a sword, and the only sword there was, there was a sword of Ganyas, which David Melech takes. And the question I saw the Mephoshim ask, it's an interesting idea, and that is, why does it bring the Pasuk of David being there in the middle? We're in the middle of a discussion between David and Achimelech, so either we bring it at the beginning, David happened to be there and was witness to the whole story, or at the end, when they finish the conversation, then you can say, and David happened to be there and heard it all. But in the middle of the conversation, after David asked for food, and Achimelech agreed, so it says, and David happened to be there. And then it goes back to the conversation again, and that is that David asks for a sword. So why would it put the story of the fact that Doeg happened to be there in the middle of the conversation between David and Achimelech? So there's two different answers. Um, the one is that we see, we guys are going to see that really the, this meeting of David with Akonim proved to be extremely tragic because this as a result of this uh, Nathan Shal is going to kill all the Akonim. And the question is, was David to blame for what he did? Was David guilty of being the one who was the cause, so to speak, in some way, for the fact that the whole city of the Kohen got killed? And if that's the case, what did David do wrong? So, there are a number of points to talk about. The first one is, was David allowed to ask for food? And the answer to that is probably yes, especially if it's in the case of the Kohen Nefesh. So then, he was allowed to save one's life. Especially in a case like this, where there wasn't for sure a Sakona to uh, the Kohen, David didn't know exactly what was going to happen as a result. So he wasn't blamed for asking for food. You know, because of the necessity. It could also be something that Achimelech would be able to defend himself to King Shalat and say, a person is a massive Koch Nefesh, I mean, have to save his death. But the, the, if that's the case, there wouldn't be the same justification in asking for a sword. I mean, a sword is something which is like asking for a weapon. It's not necessarily to save his death. At least not in the immediate sense. And if that's the case, so then if, if David were somewhere responsible or what happened later on to the city of the Kohenim, and so then what we have to point to would be the fact that he asked for the sword. And if that's the case, and that's what the Novi tells us, that Doeg happened to be there and watch that part of the deal, because that's what he was going to incriminate the Kohenim for, why did they give David a sword? And here they learned the explanation or justification that was for Koch Nefesh. Now, why did the Kohen give David a sword? Because David said, I was sent on a mission from King Shal, I didn't have a chance to take my weapons with me. Yeah, for the sword you're going to give me, I'm going to use for a real decree. Which is, what the, which is the justification that Achimelech does give later on. And that is what that, uh, on the contrary, David presented himself as he's working for you, not against you. So definitely was an act of rebellion trying to help him. And uh, that would be a good argument. So you have to see how Dayak manages to present the case to Shul, so to speak, which uh, distorts the facts and makes it look like that. Uh, Worse than it really was. That would be the first one. 
would Dovi be allowed to ask for the sword? So the same thing. Dovi doesn't necessarily have the justification for Koch Nefesh, but Mustafa, his thoughts were that. You know, that it's, 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 Why not ask for the sword? It's not hectic. It's not hectic, but is it endangering the planet? By, by asking for... If he knows he doesn't know that Doeg is there. He knows Doeg is there. He knows Doeg is there. He's going to say, before Doeg was there. But the question is, did he think that Doeg was going to go so far as to fabricate a case against the Kohen because of it? So it was seen that Doeg didn't assume Doeg, so Doeg, Doeg was going Doeg to do that. So knowing that Doeg was there, he asked for the sword anyways. He asked for the sword anyways. And that's what we're going to see. If there was some uh, accusation held at Doeg, what happened would be for asking for the sword. Uh, when you know that Doeg is there and he's going to report back to Shaul. Uh, in David's ju- justification, we will tell you, he never imagined that it would end up the Kohen being killed because he provided the Kohen with the excuse. And this also answers the question we asked yesterday, and that is why did David tell the truth? And the answer is this way he's giving the Kohen an excuse. They could say that uh, when David told us that he's coming to do something for the king, we gave him the sword because we thought he was on instruction from the king. And not only that, Doeg could corroborate that because Doeg heard that. And remember, so had Doeg, besides the fact that he spoke to Hashem Hara, but had he at least told the truth, so then he would have corroborated that it was true. Mm-hmm. David had told Achim I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going in the mission for King Shaul, please give me the sword to do the mission. And that would have protected the Kohenim on the contrary. They have witnesses that had heard that the exchange was, at least from Achim point of view, in, in the service of the king. Now, of course, that would uh, just incriminate David further in the eyes of Shaul, that didn't really make a difference to him anymore. Once Shaul was, was trying to kill him, so he has just one more reason to do it. So it didn't really affect David too much. And then really explained that he, the point of lying to Achimelech wasn't necessarily for Achimelech's disadvantage, exactly the opposite. It, gave, it was in order to provide Achimelech the excuse that he wouldn't get into trouble for what he did. And that's the case, and it wasn't just that David knew Doeg was there, because David knew Doeg was there, that's why he specifically spoke to Achimelech in a way which, had Doeg been honest, he would have he would have had to admit it wasn't, uh, didn't do anything to incriminate Achimelech. That's the one, that's the one explanation, maybe based more on just the storyline, with understanding what, this, uh, what happened. The Gemara is a different point. That is that on the first point, which Doeg and Melech asks for Achim upon him, and Achim agrees to give it to him, and then on that it says Doeg HaDomi was there at the time, it's because Doeg HaDomi argued with Doeg about it, and he said, you're not allowed to eat Achim upon him, and Doeg is for Kroch Nefesh, and Doeg said, so what, it doesn't, uh, there wouldn't be a reason to eat it, and therefore the point of putting the story, Doeg into the story was that he was a party to the argument about whether Doeg should or shouldn't be allowed to eat Achim Kroch and if that's the case, so the fact that Achimelech didn't listen to him and listen to David would be why one of the reasons to explain why he had something personal against Achimelech. Otherwise, we could ask the question, like, what did David have against the Kohenim? Why, why would he try to punish them? They, hadn't, they never harmed him. So why would he be willing to, to, to report dishonestly what happened and, and incriminate them? Did yeah, so, uh, Doeg have any particular standing, halakhically, uh, I mean, within the framework of... of, of yes, Doeg was a Russian Hedrin. He was the Avi Rehman, he was the Hedrin. Uh-huh. But we don't find he was an enemy of the Kohenim. Mm-hmm. So why would he try and incriminate him? So according to this shat, and that is that Doeg got into an argument with David about the halakha, and again, in his standing as a Russian Hedrin, he felt that his opinion should be taken more seriously, and he wasn't listened to. So, some stage, to some extent, had an effect of, of um, so to speak, 
putting him in this, in, against the Kohenim or feeling in, that he wanted to take revenge to a certain extent and that's what set up the situation where Dogdata was going to be the one to to be the reason for the Kohenim's punishment. They want to borrow of that. Okay, so anyway, whatever the reason is, so we have two different explanations of why the Torah tells us the story of Doeg in the middle of David's discussion with Yisachimelech. What happened was uh, David was given the sword, and now by Yaakov David, he was supposed to, the sword to be too big for him. The sword was, well, yes, in other words, uh, to the size of a goddess. But uh, if you felt that this was something that uh, he would need to protect himself now that he's running for his life, so he was having to take the sword, even if it wasn't necessarily. If Doig is, Doig is there and he knows what's, that Shaul wants to kill David, yes? Yes. Why didn't he just tell the Gahanim that David's a traitor? He's an enemy of, of, of the king. Don't give him anything. Why, why didn't he just say that? Why didn't he try killing him or capturing him? Well, maybe he wasn't strong enough, but whatever. Why didn't he stop the Gahanim from aiding David? Well, he did try to stop them, but just on halachic grounds that they're not allowed to give David the bread. Uh, why don't he tell him that the king he's wants a, to kill David? I don't know if he knew that. I don't know if David knew that yet. We're going to see later on when Shaul calls all his servants and says, no one's helping me and I'm looking for the trait to David, so then David comes forward. But at this stage, I don't know if David yeah. knew that uh, what, what we know, and that is that Shaul had made up his mind to kill him. You know, the one he cared if David gets, gets the sword, gets, gets... He didn't care about the sword. He, he, no, he, he, he didn't care about the sword, but it's something he knew. And when Shaul later is going to ask, oh, okay. it, so then we made it, this information that he could share. And if he didn't know, that would give all the more credence to him arguing that David shouldn't have the lachim upon him. Yes. Because it was only because he's on the run that he needs it. Right. Right, that's true as well. Okay, so we saw that uh, David asks for the sword, you get the sword of Goliath, and and now, now David has the sword, so he's holding Pasuk Yudayrach, Vayakum David, Vayivrach Vayemuhu Mipnei Shol, Vayavel Achish Melech Das. David gets up, he runs away from Shol, and he leaves Eretz Yisrael. He goes to the Eretz Pishtim, and he goes to Gas, one of the cities of Pishtim, and to the palace of Achish. Now, why in the world would he do that? In other words, this was a very a surprising thing for David to do. Uh, it's true that Shaul is not his enemy, but the Pishtim was his enemy as well. And not only that, Shaul would be unjustified in being his enemy, whereas the Pishtim would completely justify him being his enemy. He had killed lots of them. And he's carrying, and, and he's carrying Goliath's sword. And not only that, the, the Chazal tell us that the Achish's gods were Goliath's brothers. So they knew David very well, and they had lots of, a lot against him. So why in the world would he go to 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 Achish as a way to escape Shaul? And not only that, there's actually a Chazal about that. A Chazal said something to the notion of David It's ridiculous. It's it's foolishness. You you're running from one enemy to a bigger enemy. Why why, why is that the clever thing to do? So we're going to see uh, soon why why David did it and why it doesn't seem to make sense what 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 he did. And of course he was recognized. The Achish's servants turn to him and they say, David It's interesting that they call David the Melech Haaretz. In other words, in Eretz Yisrael, people still consider him Shaul the Melech, but by the Pishtim, they already called David as a king. And this was the person that they said about him, David killed tens of thousands, and that's tens of thousands of us. So, like, here we even in our 
in our captivity, so to speak. So now we can punish him. Now we can take revenge on him. And it's interesting that Achish's servants came to talk to him about it. They didn't just take the law into their own hands and kill David on the spot. That's also an interesting point to bear in mind, and that is that they went to the king. Now, Achish doesn't act immediately. So David overhears this. Vayasim David misadvarim ayad ben Malvoi. David takes what they're saying about him to heart. Vayiramoyed if the Achish melagas. He's very afraid. Of course, he's 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 so to speak a, a captive in Achish's palace, and and he's and if Achish would want to take revenge or to kill him, then he can do. So what did he do? By Yeshanoi estami by name. He made his time literally means his reason, but it's like it means in a way which of the way he acted. So he changed the way he acted in front of them. By Yisrael v'yadam, and he Yisrael he acted like someone who has lost his mind. He ran to the rave, which is in front of them. By Yisav al dalto yisashar, and he he started throwing graffiti on the gates of the palace and then Salah drew down his beard which was also a sign of a shaita so David acts like a shaita and when Achish notices this so he said this person's not normal he's mad so why are you bringing him to me um, am I missing Mishagayim you brought one more person to be to act like um, to act like, like a like someone who's crazy in my presence. This is the person I wanted in my house, and then Achish chased David out, but not because he thought he was David, but because he thought he was Tamar Sugar. Now, there's a, it's a very strange way for David to get saved, to act uh, to act like a, to act like an idiot to the extent that people didn't recognize him who he really was. And they thought he was just some, some random person who lost his mind. And if they chased him away, it was embarrassment of like, we don't need Mishra Goyim over here. Um, that's the one point. So, why was that the way that uh, David got saved? So, we'll see what Chazal say about that. But only that, Chazal painted a much, uh, much more graphic picture for us. And because really the words uh, of Achish's explanation, Achish's reaction was, Chasar Mishra Goyim, am I missing Mishra Goyim? Which seems to indicate. They already had some of those. So they're not missing, I don't need more of them. And on that, the Midrash says that Achish's wife was Meshuggah and Achish's daughter was Meshuggah. And Achish was used to the ranting and the raving and the screaming and the going crazy in his palace because his own family were afflicted with madness. And now you bring one more person, and this is just joining the crew, I don't need another one. I've enough. Not only that, the, the Midrash makes it much more graphic than that David was on the outside of the palace. And he was uh, screaming like the madman outside, and now Achish's wife and daughter found a kindred spirit. So yelling back from the inside, and they were uh, in the way of Mishagoyim, were hurting abuse at each other through the walls. And that's why David also said was writing on the wall, or whatever he thought about Achish's wife and daughter, and they were responding in kind. And I said, Enough, I don't need this Mishagas, I don't need this going on in my house. I chase him away. Now, once again, the story is very strange. Firstly, why did David go to Achish? Like we saw, it, was a, it seems to be a crazy thing to do. Secondly, why was this the way to save him? And thirdly, what did he gain from all of this? The last all happens, he got chased out of Achish's palace. What did he come in the first place for? There seems to have been just uh, an unnecessary uh, incident which could have easily been avoided. Um, 
that's another question. And the other question is on Achish himself. If the, if this is actually Dara Malak, whether he's Rashaga or not, you know, then if he's the enemy, you kill him. Why, why, why would the the fact that David acted like a Meshuggah be something which saved him? So we have to say, just start that point first, is it was to the extent where he wasn't recognized anymore. So it wasn't that they recognized this is David, but it looks like David's going mad. It was just I don't know who this person is. And that's what he says. Achish doesn't refer to him by name. He just said, you brought this Meshuggah, this man who's crazy. In other words, it was enough. It was enough of a way to act that David acted that Achishari didn't recognize him. His features got distorted enough that it didn't look like David Amalek. Now, now the question on the story is: um, Was this something which was an act that David was putting on to fool them, or Hashem really made him act? And therefore, it wasn't an act. This was the way Hashem used to. Protect him, so to speak, that Hashem really um, caused him to lose his mind temporarily. As a result of that, he was acting. Uh, he was acting in a way which, uh, which was in keeping with how he actually was at the time. Was really the story. Now, so there's Rashi. Now, here in another, another place, Rashi says about the story. Also, at Moshe, he made himself a shaita. Which would mean that he wasn't really a shaita. He just never put on a good act. So it was really just calculated how to make people think of me as being crazy, but really he wasn't. And that therefore David something did to himself. But the man says the midrash, and the midrash says that David says Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and he says Hashem, I'm trying to understand the world you created. In most things you created, in the world I can understand what the world is a point for them. But why madness? What point in the world is there for creating people who who don't have a brain? Uh, there's no there's no benefit in that because the whole point of a human being is to use their minds to decide to do things which are good and to avoid things which are bad. So why create people who don't have dice? Why create people who are shaitan? It's just a waste in the brain. And David Melech tells Hashem tells David Melech, he says, David Melech, one day you'll understand why I created shaitan. And when this story happens, so then David understands why Hashem created shaitan. That is the creation that Hashem used to save his life. So it would seem from that Chazal that this wasn't just the it wasn't just the act of David for himself. It was right. This was a key of Hashem's creation of Shaitan. Hashem creates people who mad, and now Hashem temporarily put David in a position that he actually was not. And I understand this was a creation of madness. So so that that there was also an explanation why the nays had to happen in such an unusual way. What was the reason to the Philistines rather than somewhere else? Right, so all the questions we need to answer. So all the questions we need to answer. And just one last one before we do that. And that is the Mephoshim actually say that the reason why the way Hashem saved him was by either him acting mad or Hashem making him mad temporarily is because it says, David, you acted by coming to Achish, so I'll save you with Shtus. In other words, the same madness that you exhibited in coming here is going to be the middle which is going to use to save you by making you act like you're mad. Which really is an explanation. It wouldn't be different today to, if a person's been chased by the police for some reason. So it's okay, so I'm going to go to Gaza. I'll give myself up to the Palestinians. What are you gaining by that? They're bigger enemies. They hate you more. So why, why in the world would you do that? Okay, so there's... there's we're going to see that later on in the Navi, David does this again. He goes back to that, especially in a later stage also. Mm-hmm. So why would uh, why would David do that? Uh, obviously, why wasn't it a crazy thing to do? 
So there's two answers. There's two answers. The one answer is that, um, which is born some Mufarshim, I have difficulty with the answer, but I'll tell you what Mufarshim say. Mufarshim say, if David knew that there was a priest that Yitzhak Avinu had made with Avimelech, the king of the Pishnah a long time before, and that is that they have a priest until the first generation. And therefore, so David felt that uh, if, if, um, if you know, the, the priest was still going to apply, so then if that's the case, I'll be protected by the Pishnah. They are not bound by their promise that the ancestor of Yitzhak Avinu not to, not to harm his descendants. There are those who say that. I find that a very hard explanation to give because neither the Jews nor the Christian were keeping the wrist. They've been fighting with having attacking each other for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just David in his own life has killed tens of thousands of them. So to say all well, relying on the wrist to, to I mean, Melech is a very hard thing to say. Also, it's interesting in Navi later on that those original descendants of Avi Melech had somehow found their way to Yerushalayim. It was one of the reasons why they hadn't yet conquered Yerushalayim was because they had this, the sons of Avi Melech living there and they had to wait for that, the fourth generation to die out um, until they could march in Yerushalayim. So it doesn't seem like the, the, the sons of Avi Melech were the Pelishtim in, in, in Gas or in the cities of the Pelishtim. It seems like they were different people who Israel did fight with and therefore with Israel on an ongoing basis through this whole period. So to say that David was relying on Achish to protect him because of the bris, like I said, I, I don't really understand that. It's a hard thing to say. But there's another option as well. Another option as well, and that is that, and you'll see that later on, David thinks this way of thinking again. David thinks of this again, and David thought maybe if he's being chased by Shaul, he can ally, ally himself to Achish. In other words, he wasn't coming as a fugitive that could get killed because people recognize who he is. He had hoped to do the opposite. He hoped to come as a, like, make a strategic partnership with Achish and say to him, look, I'm coming to you. Like to, to work with you, mm-hmm. and why, why, would, why would you want to do that? The answer is very simple. Because he knows that as an individual, Shaul is not scared to try and chase him and crack him down and kill him. Whereas if he's now, let's say, has a, a, a bris with the Plishtim, and now the Plishtim okay, is a mutual defense factor, so now Shaul won't be so quick to kill him because Shaul doesn't want it. I mean, he knows that Shaul is scared of the Plishtim. He saw it himself. And therefore, if you can make a, like a mutual pact, of dual protection between him and that Plishtim, so then that would be, he was hoping, would be a real reason for Shaul to, for Shaul to leave him alone, because that way Shaul would be scared of, of fighting with him, because he wouldn't want to fight with the Plishtim too. Now, so if that's the case, then we understand why, for David's point of view, it would have been beneficial to, to go to the gas. He would have had like, someone to protect him, so to speak, or at least a deterrent for Shaul not to kill him. But the obvious question is, that's just enough for David. What was it for Achish? Why would Achish be interested in such an, in such an agreement? So the answer is, it's very simple. <laughs> the Splishim was scared of David. The Splishim was scared of David, as they themselves said, he's the man who's king tens of thousands of us. So the Splish, the Bruce would be, the David would tell him, until now I've been working for Shaul, which means I'll be fighting against you. But now I'm prepared to work with you against Shaul, and uh, we made it, we'll protect each other, and then you don't have to worry about the threat of David anymore, because... I'll be on your side as opposed to an enemy. In other words, there was a calculated strategy that was meant to make a peace treaty, so to speak, which would protect David, and at the same time, the Christian would know that they don't have a, a potential threat in the form of David fighting against them. So, why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? The answer is partial. The Prophet didn't want this kind of an alliance of David and the Christian against Shaul, and that's why 
rather than being able to present it as something which would be a mutually beneficial agreement for Shal and for I mean for David and for Achish against Shal. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu organized such things in such a way that no one's going, David isn't going to get appreciated as being David Melech. On the contrary, he's looked at it like a Meshuggah, and it might be what was needed to save his life. But at the end of the day, no one takes him seriously. And because of that, so he's going to, that, that, that tax is never going to happen. Was it wrong of David to do that? Even, even once you've justified the reason for it, was it the wrong thing to do? In other words, was it, would, would it have been the best thing to do to allow Hashem to save him, like he does later on? And not to come to try and make peace treaties or agreements uh, with other nations for protection. So we can't talk about David Melech, way, way above our ability to judge him. But we find later times in Klai Yisrael, that this is exactly what Klai Yisrael did, that every time the Navi has uh, strong words of rebuke to give them. And that is, it was part of the, politi- the political the jockeying of the day. And if you're being threatened by one enemy, so you make an alliance with somebody else, and in that way, hopefully the attacker will be, put, will be deterred from fighting if he sees like, who your supporters are. And so, for example, when um, the kingdom of Yisrael attacked the king of Yehuda, so Yehuda made a bris with Aram, and later on, when Nebuchadnezzar wants to attack Israel, so make a bris with Mitzrayim, and every time a Kodesh Baruch was against it, don't rely on people to save you. It's not the right thing to do. And as a result, the people who were meant to save them let them down. And then, like the Pasuk says, in, as what it means in Eicha, Mitzrayim, we put out our hand to Mitzrayim, we're begging them to hold, help us, and Hashem didn't let it happen. So that was the idea of allying with going to protect us is a mistake. The, really, the way to be protected is for Hashem to protect us. And not to, to resort to treaties or mutual non-aggression with various other going around us as a way to get saved. If that's the case, so then there was something wrong with the fact that David wants to go to Achish and rely on Achish for protection. And that's part of what it means. And the leader says that Tzvim Tzvim still sees this. It's, it's, it's foolishness. Not just because it's a dangerous thing to do, but because to rely on Achish isn't a good idea. And that's why Shem Fanish was a medical medal with that same middle of Shtus, that uh, he loses his mind and he acts in a way which is uh, which is uh, in- inappropriate for David Melech. And he made it, that's, that, that's the way that our Kodesh Baruch Hu used to save him. Now, we just learned to explain, we will do next time, but I just want to finish with this, and that is with the second leader, how did that answer David's question? David's question was, why did you create uh, people in the world who have done dust? Why did you create craziness in the world? Uh, and what was Hashem's answer? There will be a situation in your life where you'll need it. Okay, so that was particular to David's occasion. It, was, it wasn't a long-term thing. It was while he needed it for, for as long as he needed it, that Hashem gave it to him. But for a person who's born um, mentally incompetent and spends a whole life like that, so then what, what, what good can they do in the world? And David's question is a really strong question. What's the point of creating people who don't have a rational mind, who aren't able to think normally? What does Hashem expect from them? And the fact that one time in his life Hashem showed him why he needed to utilize this mid of, of Shtus, how does that justify all the other times and all other people who suffer from the same problem? That's what Hashem will talk about next time.